Well, it was a frantic Friday and I guess a sad Saturday if you're a Jays fan. And now we sit in the aftermath of what to do next after Shohei Otani signs with the Dodgers, Jackson. It was in a very eventful week. It was a very uh, a week full of ups and downs for Jays fans and ultimately yet another disappointment. I guess uh, this Jays fan base faces the most disappointment since game two of the wildcard round, maybe two months ago. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's for sure. And, and you know, I saw some Leafs references too about, uh, you know, failing to kind of cash in and, and take advantage. And we're going to dive into the Otani news, obviously, and what lies ahead for the Jays in this offseason, because there's still a lot of work to be done. And there's still, you know, I still expect big things from this front office. They've shown they want to spend the money. They've shown they can spend some money. So we're, we're going to dive into everything that uh, lies ahead. So, Matt, I think a good place to start would be when we had Keegan on, right, for our little off-season outlook preview show. We talked about Otani, right, but sort of with the tone of, like, almost like winning the lottery, right? Yeah, you know, if we if I won the lottery, here's what I would do, right? It was sort of that tone, and I think Keegan hit the nail on the head at the time, saying, let's give it a 5-6% chance. That's kind of, I think, what a lot of Jays fans would have. Uh, are you in agreement there, Matt? I mean, obviously, he was the biggest fish in the offseason. There's no doubt about yeah. that. And I brought that up, I think, at the end of that podcast as kind of a joke and a mm-hmm. laughing matter of like, oh, like, uh, what are the chances the Jays land Otani? He said that 5%. I think I think you're right in, in that. Um, but, you know, what, less than a month later, we're yeah. sitting here tracking flight. You know, Jays fans are sitting here tracking a flight from Anaheim to Toronto, not even knowing who's on it for sure. So, so that shows how quickly things can change, not only in baseball, but throughout an offseason. After that Keegan episode, I think it's a good place to go to how things transpired after that, because we started to hear more and more from both from reporters up here north of the border, but also in the States, especially, you know, the big ones like John Heyman, Rosenthal, Passan, um, Alden Gonzalez, I throw in there because he's an L.A. guy for ESPN. They were all saying who the finalists were and the Jays were always in that conversation, right? Um, it was, you know, obviously Dodgers, Angels, Giants, Cubs, Jays, right? Those were really the teams that were kind of in it. And everyone was talking about that. So we can probably assume that those were the five finalists or whatever. So from there, though, you're still thinking as a Jays fan, okay, you're still up against huge markets. You look at the Giants, they've missed out on a bunch of guys the last few years. They got money to spend, you'd think, right? The Dodgers and Angels, of course, we know um, all the reasons why they would do that. And the Cubs have a ton of money tons of money and want to get back to winning in the easiest division one of the easiest divisions in the sport so you look at it and and you think wow like are the jays really going to compete with the big dogs and that was kind of the conversation in the week prior is maybe the jays are kind of playing in the deep waters now and also this was happening simultaneously with those juan soto rumors as well so people were really really getting excited and You can't really blame fans for that, but I think that you could sort of see the excitement building and building and building cautiously, though. And and this is where it comes in. You heard a lot over the last couple of days. Did the Jays get played to boost the deal in Los Angeles? Probably a little bit, uh, you know, from what we're kind of reading and hearing. But there's no doubt that they were truly in on Otani and giving it their best shot. I saw another report this morning. Um, about how they were close to that deal that he gave, that the Dodgers gave him. Obviously, it sounds like the Dodgers kind of came at the end and upped it. Um, not surprising they stayed in L.A., though. I mean, they were always a favorite from the get-go. Everyone was saying that even as the momentum build, built with Toronto, even as he went supposedly to Dunedin, as Ken Rosenthal said, the Dodgers remained the favorite among everyone. Um, so it, it wasn't surprising to me. 
And I don't know about you, Jax, but after that, after Friday, tracking the flight, the Herjavec flight, it seemed like after that all came out uh, and it, it, he wasn't coming to Toronto to for, sign a contract, do a physical, whatever that may be. It seemed like the air was out of the tires after that. I, I don't know if that's just me. That That's my opinion on it. It almost seemed like it was just a matter of time before he signed somewhere else. Well, and that's it. There was such, you know, I talked about the ups and downs. So we go from, you know, sort of the downs, like, nah, they probably don't have a chance. Oh, they're playing with the big dogs. That's interesting. They still don't have a chance. That Rosenthal tweet about, Rosenthal report rather, about him going to Dunedin, that started to turn some heads. Because then it's like, well, you don't just go to Dunedin for fun, do you? <laughs> and then the narrative starts about how much of a baseball nut Otani is. The Jays, $300 million that they put into the Rogers Center, $100 million in Dunedin. I mean, there's $400 million right there. That's something that fans don't think about. Yeah. You know, you look at the you look at the payroll, and, and that's one thing. But look at the money being invested into this team. And that stuff matters. And I started to think about that. It's like, who really cares about a spring training complex? But they spend two months of their life there, two months of their year there, every year. If you get hurt, a lot of guys go there to rehab. A lot of guys will go there in the offseason. So you could end up spending four or five months of the year at that facility. And given Hanjin Ryu um, is is a case study that you can recover from Tommy John surgery and get back to the big leagues. Um, he did it using that player development complex. I'd imagine he would have been, um, I know he's a free agent now, but he would have been a big part of that their pitch to Otani. Hey, we can help you not only be the player you are, but get back to pitching as well. And you know, doing it with one of the best player development complexes in baseball. And so that's a really good pitch. And I think a lot of people at that point started to think, wow, like maybe they are really actually in the mix. Maybe he is actually seriously considering them. And I still think he did seriously consider them. But who's to say that what kind of conversations have been had? You know, there'll be books that come out about that meeting, you know, about what happened in Dunedin that day and how this offer all went down and how this stuff played out. But from then on, that the speculation really, really grew. And I can't blame Jay's fans for that at all. Um, and, and all leading up, I guess, probably get to the the whole plane incident now as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to go down in Blue Jays history, yeah. not in a good way. I, you know, I never, I wasn't tracking. I think Flight Aware was the app people yeah. were using. I wasn't looking, but I was following on Twitter. I don't think anybody was working on Friday afternoon. No. Um, and it just, it seemed kind of silly at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but then it kind of turned in. It, it had a life of its own as time went it on. It started out as like funny, haha, tongue in cheek. Look at this plane going from Anaheim to Toronto today amid all the rumors, amid the fact that the Jays were in the mix. But uh, let me talk about myself for a sec. Let me make it about me. I, my two biggest passions are baseball and aviation. Okay. Before I wanted to be a baseball broadcaster, I wanted to be a pilot. True story. So this was like really like two things that I love, okay, coming together. But I also thought like there's a lot of planes that can go from California to Toronto. Like what makes this plane special? I was trying to think that the whole time. And you trace it back to a random Twitter account who pointed it out to somebody on Jay's Twitter who then amplified it. And from there it amplified and amplified and amplified. And it just shows how misinformation can spread. Because nobody had any proof until, until John Morosi ruined his credibility and said that he had a source saying he was in the plane. So we need to separate pre-Morosi tweet and after. Because pre-Morosi tweet, it was fun, look at this, haha. That's not him, right? Really? Come on, guys. Get serious for a second. It may be a one in a million chance. But all of a sudden, Morosi tweets that. Boom. 
explosion. That was, by the way, like right in the midst of like Friday talk radio. Overdrive is all over it, right? And they don't even have the Jays, right? So you know that them spending a four o'clock hour on a Rogers own property is a big deal, right? And if, and if I'm not mistaken, Blair and Barker Correct. got pulled onto the air as well at five o'clock. They they're they're off the air for the off season. They're doing a podcast now, yes. I believe, but they were pulled back onto the air. And I was listening to it on the radio for a little bit. Um, so yeah, exactly. Like that's how, now you're getting you know qualified people that do this for a living, cover the team, know the ins and outs. Now they're starting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it really started to ratchet up. I think I saw I saw a video of Shohei Otani walking in an airport. Someone saying it was Pearson. Like it, it obviously was from who knows what airport at what time. But it's like this is the length that some of some people yeah. went on the internet to make it believable. It gets back to that whole thing. We we've talked about this a lot, mainly off the air. But people seek affirmation now, you know, just as much as information. Right. They want to affirm things that they want to believe to be true. And in this case, like that, that's a lot of what happened up until the Morosi tweet. Right. And again, like I said, that changed things. Yeah. That video was obviously not from Pearson because he wasn't there, but I think it just speaks to how, how passionate the fan base was and how much they thought maybe this was real. But what made it just as real is when uh, JP Hornstra, I want to get his name right. Of course, he will live in infamy. <laughs> in Blue Jays fandom for a long time, a Dodgers Nation reporter, a BBWAA accredited journalist, just like John Morosi. So this is interesting, Matt. By the way, this is still up. He tweets, Shohei Otani's choice. This was at 2 o'clock on Friday, 1.53 Eastern. Shohei Otani's choice is in. This is not a drill. Then there's a link. He doesn't actually say there's a link. You click the link. I'm clicking the link right now. This is on Monday, December 11th. This is still up. Shohei Otani to sign with Toronto Blue Jays over Los Angeles Dodgers sources. The wait is over. Shohei Otani is signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. All of a sudden, okay, now we've got two BBWAA writers on it. Maybe it is real. The only thing, you didn't have a Passon, you didn't have a Rosenthal, you didn't have the big boys, but where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And boy, like you talk about getting the hopes up of a fan base. You better have the right info if you're going to tweet this. I don't know JP Hornstra. You, you mentioned he's a obviously an accredited writer, Dodgers Nation. Yep. JP Morosi, though, I, I I cannot believe that he had a reliable source, and he would have confirmed with potentially another source. So what went on there? That's yeah. my biggest question. We're never going to know with how tight lipped mm-hmm. Otani's been, how tight lipped his agency has been, how tight lipped the Toronto Blue Jays have been about this. It's not Ross Atkins or Mark Spiro's style to come out and say these things. No. But a guy like John Morosi, that's a very reputable sort, reputable reporter to say something like that. I find it hard to believe that he wasn't yeah. truly, didn't truly believe that Shohei was on that plane. And that was part of the thought process. If you're a Jays fan, this guy, John Morosi, why would he ruin his reputation over this? Same thing with J.P. Hornstra. He's a Dodgers writer. Why would he ruin his, you know what I mean? I think that that was also for me too. Like as someone, we're in the media, we get it. Like their credibility has unfortunately cratered the both of them. And you're right. Like Morosi probably thought he had it and he thought he had it first. You know, he took a big swing, right? And and here's the deal too. I'm not sure if you saw Kim Rosenthal on his YouTube show, uh, Fair Territory, about three and a half minutes into one of the latest episodes, said that he also heard from a credible source, a reliable source, that Otani was signing with the Jays, that he had chosen the Jays. He heard that as well. He 
could not independently confirm it, and so he did not report it. I have not listened to the latest at the letters. I'll be doing that. Um, I'd like to hear Ben Nicholson Smith's opinion a little more on his reporting as well, um, to hear if he had something similar. But that's a big piece. Ken Rosenthal also got it from a legit source too. And so the way I get it is that it was out there. A source was sending it out. And so where that was being sourced from, but J.P. Hornstra and J.P. Morosi, they unfortunately got bad info from someone they trusted previously. And, and that's funny that Rosenthal says, I did watch that YouTube piece um, because that is difficult. That's a difficult situation to be in. You get a leak like that. You get some information from someone that you think is reliable, uh, but you can't independently verify because you want to be first. There's no doubt about it. Journalism, reporting, sports report, any kind of report. You want to be first on the story. But I've always lived by the mantra that it's better to be right, obviously, first and respected over being first because that's how you build those relationships and 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 rosenthal touched on that and and any any reporter would but you know that that was a big leap for morosi to take and the fact that he took it even had me believing that he was coming to Toronto. me too me too and i think and i think that's what people need to realize and and Ken, rosenthal also mentioned in that piece that he was wrong he's been wrong everyone's yeah. been wrong everyone makes mistakes he had uh scherzer going to the dodge or, or going to the padres that's i think right. it was yeah in 2001 trade deadline so everybody makes mistakes i think people will get over it morosi's a very good writer he's a good reporter he's you know it was a mistake it was a the biggest mistake on a free agent in major league baseball history um but i it it did crater his you know credibility for the time being, but I think that is recoverable. I take more issue with the way that Dodgers Nation went about it, in that the article's still up. Yeah, you know, um, and you didn't even put the news in your tweet. You made people click the link, which we obviously know you're trying to farm clicks. It's yeah. obvious. That's what it's become. That's what the yeah. that's what part of you know journalism become. It's about clicks. It's about follows. It's about interactions. And that's a good thing to a certain extent. That is the job. That's how that's how the the industry generates yep. revenue and, and all this sort of stuff, advertising. But you have to be right because when it, yeah. when you're not right and then you're not respected because you're not right. And I'm not saying that's going to happen here because it was one person with one mistake. It was a big mistake, but it was you know one thing. Um, that's how you that's how you end up cratering when you chase the likes and chase the the clicks. That's how you end up cratering your career. Yep. Um, I, I was told once create good content, you know, be reputable, be credible, and the rest will follow suit. And I think that's kind of how up and coming journalists and reporters and ones in the field now should that's how they should approach it. It's a good reminder, right? Of of those principles. And I gotta say, like I'm sure there's a journalism instructor right now building a lesson. And this will be taught for the next five years in Canadian journalism schools of prime example of it's better to be right than to be first because you saw it and and you know what like whether this will damage morosi and and jp hornster's careers i don't know it's nothing personal um you want the best for these guys obviously like but it will change the way that people view the news from them because people will see them both now as maybe more rumor aggregators as opposed to actual insiders with real sources and that sucks for both of them Right. Because again, like obviously these guys have, they're both BBWAA accredited members. They're both legit writers. They've devoted a lot of time to this, right? This is a career that has a lot of, it's all about grinding and hard work and sending emails and following up. Like it's a, you don't, you know, it's a, it's a tough career to fake is my point. And so you get to this point, it would suck to be duped on this level. 
But it's just another example, as you said, Matt, and uh, it's unfortunate. And it's also unfortunate for Jays fans who got their hopes up because of these two supposedly credible journalists. One more thing on this, and and then we're going to move on to other media. Um, And Rosenthal touched on this. I have a couple of questions for you. Who who broke the George Springer to Toronto signing? I believe that was BK on Twitter. I think think he had it first, or maybe... No, I don't know. I don't know who had it first. Who had Gosman first to Toronto? Uh, Shai Davidi? You say that with a question. That this is that's that this leads to my point. I knew yeah. you were gonna say this because I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. So that that's another thing Rosenthal touched on is no one yeah. even remembers who breaks this stuff first. I couldn't tell you who broke the Otani to the Dodgers, and it happened two days ago. Who like Otani did it, but who was the first one that I saw on Twitter? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They all had it within two or three minutes of each other. Half the time your Twitter feed isn't even in right order, anyways. Yeah. Facebook, or whatever. So the, everyone chases being first, and it's great to to do that but at the end of the day who like yeah. everyone's getting the information at the same at, at the relative same time as long as you confirm it and you get it out as quickly as possible no one remembers who's first like you yeah like, are you like don't be that egotistical that you have to be yeah. first on i know you want to be first and you want to get credit for it but no one cares no one's here to see ken rosenthal sign you got the otani signing first like give me a break they just want the information and i think that's where you have to kind of take a step back as a reporter and see that and kind of, you know, I don't know how to say stay in your lane, but it's at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. Someone gets it 30 seconds before somebody else. So an extra couple of thousand people see it. Like, great, you know, but, but then you run the problem that you get it wrong and look what happens. It happens in all sports too. You look at basketball, it's, it's Wojnarowski and, and Shams, right? They dominate the, the insider, you know, lifestyle. And as you say, like, is it, I know media companies obviously care about being first, but you know, the reality is I think a lot of fans, you made that point don't. And I think too, like you got to remember, like if you're, this is a very hard job. And like the guys who were at the top, right. Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, I would say are probably the two at the top. Like they've devoted so much time and energy into building the sources and doing all this. Like they're probably going to beat you anyways. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, even if you devote 18 hours of your day and you think you got it, like chances are they're going to beat you regardless because their sources are just as credible. And I think that's maybe the point I'm getting is like, just let them do have that fight between them. And, and you just try to be a good reporter, I guess. But again, I'm not here to give anyone lectures. It's just something I noticed and something I noticed in sports right now and how fruitless really that whole chase seems to be at times yeah i mean everyone obviously wants to be first I'm not saying that's not important to a certain degree but yeah at the end of the day like everyone's getting the information from i saw it from john Heyman. i saw it from jeff pass and i saw it from ken rosenthal i saw it from joel sherman i don't remember which one i saw from it from first i have no idea to be completely honest with you it was all on my screen at the same time as i was slipping through my phone like yeah and again, I don't want to, I'm a reporter. I want to be first as well, but you know, be careful, walk that fine line of being first and being right and being respected yes. as well. And in these big decisions, it's usually the athlete that announces it before anyone else. Anyways, look at LeBron, which, which happened. LeBron always controls the message. Shohei Otani, he, he did the same thing. He controlled the message. I don't know exactly how recall what happened with Messi. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, these athletes on this level, is JP Hornstra really going to have the scoop? Like maybe, but you know, and, and I think that was just, I think the, the sort of 
um, the game, the mental game that Jays fans were trying to sort through. Can we believe these guys? Can we not? Is this happening? And and all the while, you just want to watch the modern day Babe Ruth play for the Jays at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Amidst all this journalism and all this talk about clicks and stuff. And so at the when it all comes down to it, after at the end of Friday, you're left there sitting with a pile of crap, right? It, we're, we haven't we haven't moved at all. No one was on the plane. Nothing happened at the end of Friday. It's like, like you feel like you just wasted five hours on flight aware. <laughs> you know, I, I was talking to my brother, obviously he's, he's a big uh, baseball fan as well. And, and he texts me the next morning. Cause we were talking about it, obviously as it was going down in real time. And he says, is it weird that like, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Like it feels like that deflating feeling of like, Oh, I thought this was it. it and I said, it's, it, I get where he's coming from. Obviously we care. Like that's not necessarily the right way to put it, but it's like the movie that goes on for too long. It had the climactic ending with the plane and Shohei walking off the, onto the tarmac and getting greeted by Mark Shapiro. And then it cuts to the credits, but no. I've had this feeling as a, as a sports fan, as a sports viewer, I've had this feeling a handful of times. And I think you talk about the deflating and I want to give you another example. Leafs fans, 2013, Game 7 against Boston. It's 4-4 after the third period. That's how I felt. It wasn't over, but it was, you know? That's how I felt. It was yeah. like, technically, technically it's not over, but everybody and their mother knew the Bruins were going to win that game. And at that point, it felt like, if he's not on that plane, is he ever going to get on that plane? Yeah, and and yeah, I remember eating a sub watching that third period yeah. that Leafs Bruins game knowing exactly it's like you've seen it before it's like he didn't get off that plane that all I was driving at the time so I wasn't able to like follow my phone and I get home around seven o'clock I think it was and it was like Otani wasn't on the plane Bob Nightingale I think was one of the was was the first one I saw whether he was the first on I don't know again whatever and then Ben Nicholson Smith said the same thing and I was like what what the hell is going on here yeah like I was convinced that this was getting done this weekend for, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, coming to terms, it may not, you know, officially be done, but, and, and then I get home and he's not on the plane. It's Robert Herjavec, who's also represented by CAA, which I thought was interesting, yeah. but that, that fueled some conspiracy theories, but we won't go into that. It's funny. And then, so then that happens, that sudden mood shift 24 hours later, he's a Dodger anyways, after all that. Are you looking for a fun activity to keep your children active this holiday season? Well, swing into the holidays and head to the Baseball Zone for fun and learning at the Baseball Zone's 2023 Snowball Baseball Camp. They offer an unbeatable combination of physical training and a great social atmosphere. With their one-of-a-kind approach, your child will gain confidence, improve their coordination, and build better throwing and hitting mechanics, all in a safe and fun environment. You can pick and choose which days to attend to work around your holiday plans. Space is limited, so sign up early for the 2023 Snowball Baseball Camp at thebaseballzone.ca. Yeah, it sucks for Jays fans, and this is going to hurt for a while. And also, whoever they do end up getting now, I feel for poor Reese Hoskins, who is going to have to have a big season, or if it's Jorge Soler or whoever, um, you know, they have contingency plans. This front office is great. I guess we're kind of getting into the fallout now. So now they miss. So Soto's a Yankee. Otani's a Dodger. We'll see where Yoshinobu Yamamoto goes. And Cody Ballinger, right? And, and Matt Chapman. There's still, I don't know if you call Matt Chapman a big fish. Uh, 
a good defensive fish, whatever you want to call them. We're at a point now where things are happening and the two biggest moves that the Jays could have made this offseason are off the table. So that Cody Bellinger signing won't have the same pizzazz as it might have if the Jays were never in this run, you know? Yeah, and that's just the the risk you take, the game you play when you're in on somebody like Otani. So once in a lifetime thing, people were talking about, you know, how does this contract impact? It doesn't. This this stands alone by itself. Uh, But yeah, there's still a lot of players that can really help this team in this AL East race, like a lot. And and Bellinger's one of them. I saw Bellinger was looking for 250 million at one point. It was the report. I I don't I don't think I would go that far. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Like Bellinger could help this team. Uh, Jorge Soler can add that thump in the middle of the lineup they're looking for. Reese Hoskins you mentioned. So there's guys still there. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's going to be like oh we signed Jorge Soler. Yay. <laughs> yeah, which is unfortunate because. Yeah. You know, they could make a couple moves here that's on the 70 million per year that they saved on Otani. Not that they're going to spend all that money, but and make some moves that can really bolster this team. Yeah. It's like, you know, telling the kids they're getting McDonald's and then they end up with spinach, right? Like it's just, it's not what they want. You know, the renovations will be cool and all that. But to get some butts in the seats, they got to, like, this was maybe one of the more disappointing seasons in a while. Right. Like we talked about that, just the season itself. Yeah. I think you look at 15 and 16, those were successful seasons. 17 was disappointing because that was, you know, Shapiro and Atkins kind of came in and kind of tried to still compete, but it wasn't successful. Then obviously they were pretty bad for a couple of years, understandably so. And then they get back into the playoff hunt. And then this year just ends with a thud. So they really need to come out, do something not only in the free agent or trade market, but start the season well. Yeah, um, to kind of give Jays fans, you know, something to cheer about. And the division is not getting any easier. I just talked about, like, you got Soto hitting in front of Judge now at Yankee Stadium. Have fun with that, right? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, and and absolutely, anytime you can acquire Juan Soto, that's you, yeah. you go for it. And and Juan Soto and Aaron Judge present arguably the best one-two punch. Maybe maybe the Dodgers with Otani, Freeman, and Betts. <laughs> yeah. But, that Yankee team still has a ton of holes in it. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking at DJ LeMahieu is on the decline in aging. Anthony Rizzo is coming off a bad year. He's 34 years old. Giancarlo Stanton is a money suck on that payroll. Anthony Volpe had a 666 yeah. OPS. Like Obviously, he's a younger player. He could progress, but there's a lot of holes. Like Carlos Rodon it was a nightmare first season like there's still a lot of hope like if you're if you're relying on judge and soto yeah they'll beat some teams by themselves you know a couple yep. you know big games but i don't know i would argue i saw a graphic it's funny after otani signed and it was otani Betts, and freeman in one picture and on the other one was the yankees there was garrett cole aaron judge and Juan. so i said this is the world series we need and i thought to myself i started thinking about the yankees lineup saying this team could still miss the playoffs oh yeah like in this division yeah, like they might be the fourth best team still in this division, depending on what the Jays do. And obviously, the offseason is not over. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not high on the Yankees. Like, somewhere obviously, Soto makes a huge impact. There's still a lot of work to be done on that roster. Ezra is with the Jays, um, and the Orioles aren't getting any worse. They're only going to get better, and the Rays are the Rays. So it's it's going to be another tight year in the AL East. Yeah, and and you talk about the Yankees and their questions. Their pitching is took a big hit there, right, with that trade. And, and they were already kind of short in the rotation this year, especially with the issues that Rodon and Montes had. And 
you know, Garrett Cole had an unbelievable season. Yeah, you're going to need him to replicate another Cy Young season next year, probably, right? And they did trade away a lot of pitching depth. Like Michael King was such a big story for them this year. That's a big arm to lose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they need Soto to hit like 35 home runs and be like a 300, 400 on base, 600 slugging guy. They need him to be that. Um, and then, yeah, you look at the Orioles. I know they're not really spending money, which is weird, but they're, I think they have so many extensions to worry about the future, but they're really good. They're on the rise. Didn't, we have, the same con- didn't we have this conversation at some point? Look, uh, Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, Machado of yeah. the Padres last year. What, what, what happened there? Oh, they missed the playoffs. That's right. Because it, it doesn't work that way, you know. You don't win games in the offseason. You bolster your 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 team. You still have to go and get done. I know that's cliche, but look at the number of teams that just fall flat on their face. I mean, there's one every year. Look at the Mets. Oh yeah, like it's it's no guarantee that just because you yeah you know land some of these big stars that you're going to win. Look at the Diamondbacks. Yeah, for every Phillies, for every Philly story where they spend money and win, there's another story of the Mets. Right. Or even like the angels sometimes carry a pretty high payroll and we know what they're all about. Right. I, no, I was just saying that, but just last thing on the Padres, I was thinking like last year when they were going through and they were deciding what to do on the, at the trade deadline. And I know that it's come to light that they have some financial issues. That's part of the reason they got rid of Soto. Mm-hmm. I would have ran that same team back. Me too. I, I wouldn't have, I would have banked on that not happening again with yeah. those four guys in the lineup, a solid rotation. Obviously they would have lost Snell, but you know, who knows what they do the rest of the off season. And yeah, so who knows? That's you can say the Jays the third best team in the AL East now. Well, that doesn't really matter what we think, what people talk about. No, you're right, Matt. And you know, it's a good dose of reality that because people are really down right now, Jays fans especially because, and I, you can't blame them, right? The Yankees get Soto, uh, Otani not going to the Dodgers. The Jays are left, you know, with their you know what in their hand. But like, there's still a lot of moves they can make. You know, we've seen teams kind of. You know, I remember when the Phillies were building that team, they signed Castellanos and they've got all these big contracts. And I'm thinking like, boy, that's a expensive, slow team. And then they, they go, you know, they've been playing very well. They get deep in the playoffs. But our assumptions about, yes, as you said, uh, San Diego last year is a great example. The Mets last year, also a great example. Um, and I agree with you, especially about the Padres, like in the wild card era, why not run it back? The Jays drafting and developing you know, that's something that will, I think, become more apparent here over the next year. And as, you know, depending on what this this front office now, I guess what I'm trying to say, this front office is going to be under the microscope, like the most that they've been in this tenure and probably will be. And chances are this is their, if let's say they do the same thing again next year, can you see all three of Shapiro, Atkins, Schneider coming back? Probably not, right? It's going to be tough. I think if they land Otani, they wrote their own extension. Totally. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough. And, and you mentioned the, the developing. Alex Anthopoulos wasn't shy to kind of sell the farm before he they went on those runs in, in 15 and 16, and then he took off. So I think you can expect uh, an urgent Ross Atkins uh, for the rest of the offseason and well into the season because this team's going to be in it likely by the all-star break. You know, they, they yeah, it's going to be interesting what he does with Tiedemann and and, and Martinez. And, and some of these guys might have to step up and fill a role here. Yeah. Um, as we talked with Keegan. Um, and, and like we mentioned with Keegan in the first episode that we have, it seems like this this Blue Jays team is is reluctant to bring up some of these young guys. Yeah. To me. Like, I'm, I'm curious when Tiedemann comes up. Even that with Manoa, it seemed like it 
He was up very quickly, but I, I, there's a lot of talk about whether they should, uh, which which is normal with a young player. But you know, you see around it. Look at the Orioles; like yeah. they're they're chock full of 25 and under. Like, can Tiedemann be the fifth starter this year? Is Manoa going to bounce back? Does Martinez play third? Does Barger play third? How does this all play out, and how does that play into the plans of the offseason? I can tell you one thing: Jays fans aren't going to be happy with the Relvis Martinez playing third base for this team. Um, at least at the outset, when there's that's a that's a glaring hole they need to fill. You know, I'd imagine there will be moves to be made, uh, but Palmajani, uh, another guy in that in that mix of those, we talked about that episode. All these infielders in the upper tier, there's no way they keep them all. So they got to make the right choices. Do you trade Barger? Do you trade Palmajani? Do you trade David Schneider right now? Well, maybe you can get something for him, you know, after, you know, there's a lot of different, that's the thing. If you're Atkins right now, you got to put all that emotion behind you, put all that pain behind you, trade for your job right now. That's, and, and that's the exciting and the scary thing all the yeah. time is he's, he's, he's fighting for a job likely here in the next year or two. He has some high upside guys, Snyder's. David Schneider, I think I'm sorry. I think that's a sell high option. Me too. Um, I don't think he does. He obviously, I don't think he has that. He's a 1,000 OPS guy, obviously, at second base. Um, but, you know, he might be coveted by somebody else that can really help you with a piece that they have. That's just my opinion. But, but yeah, Tiedem and Martinez and Barger. Barger kind of slipped down the, the prospect ranking there. Um, as the year went on, Alan Roden was a guy that uh, Keegan was really high on. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. The, you know, these organizations know these prospects better than anyone. So there's other teams that know the Jays prospects and what they can offer. So it's going to be interesting to see, probably more interesting, the trade market yeah. um, going into spring training than even the rest of the, the free agent class. I think we see another Moreno and Guriel for Varsho type deal out of nowhere. Like I, I totally think maybe even a few of them, like, because there's, it just seems to me they have such a log jam in the infield combined with, you know, baseball's reliance on cheap position players who can, who are versatile. The Jays have a ton of, like Palmajani himself is, is versatile. Right. And, um, you know, you talk about like Schneider as well. I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in these guys and there's no way they can, you know, keep them all and give them enough playing time. So something will have to give there. Maybe the Jays, do something kind of unconventional, like could they sign another starter and then trade from their starter depth or something? Well, Blair and Barker yeah. mentioned George Springer. You know, who knows where that goes, but yeah. that's money that's on the books for a few more years. He's getting older, still a very productive player, but he, is he the George Springer of three, four years ago? Likely not. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's they can create flexibility. It's just how much flexibility do they want to create by subtracting and then adding? I think if they had gotten Otani... I think moving Springer would have made a good amount of sense. Yeah. Because given the outfield spot and stuff like that, and yes, Springer's contract and his injury history and and the fact that Springer will need a DH still a good amount moving forward. Um, but I think to now, probably not. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? Maybe they could have some something crazy up their sleeve. Who knows? Uh, they might have to. But I think in the case of Springer, um, personally, I wouldn't because I think he's more of a glue guy in the clubhouse. I know here I am with the intangible. I know. I, I get it. There's a good amount of, I think, influence that Springer carries maybe more so than the majority of players on the team. He's also been here more than longer, I should say, than some of the other vets like Bassett. Right. Again, like Atkins and Shapiro would know a lot more about Springer and, and his impact on the club than you or I, 
I just, I would really exercise caution in the wake of what was a disappointing season to move a guy who is your leader and always has a smile on his face. Uh, that's a hard sell for me. Yeah. And, and the other thing I thought about was potential extensions for Vladdy and Bo. I don't think one's coming for Vladdy just because he's in a bit of a prove it year. Yeah. Um, coming off a down year, like how do you gauge his value? I think Bo's value is pretty simple. I, th- I Bo is one of the best pure hitters in baseball, bat to ball, contact hitters. I mean, he's he's up there in the American League and hits every year. Um, so they've shown they've given this money to Otani. Is there an excuse for not extending one, if not both? And I wonder where that priority lies, right? Like I'd imagine that, you know. Atkins to-do list right now is a lot longer than than mine, right? Um, he's got to find a third baseman. He's got to find an outfielder and or a DH, some sort of combination there. Probably needs a, another starter. Uh, you got to figure out the Alec Manoa situation. You get a log jam in the infield. You've got to also sell season tickets. I know that's not really Atkins' problem, but it all relates. So... The, the Bichette extension, I, I wonder where that factors in. He's going to get, you got to think at this point, by the time he hits free agency, he'll he'll show the Corey Seager deal and say, we'll start there, right? Yeah. That's got to be it, right? And, I, and I, I'm not trying to compare the two or say that Bo Bichette is better than Corey Seager or whatever, but that's just how it works. You compare yourself to the, the other shortstops who signed at that time. He'll look at Bogarts as well. Like it's going to be 300 million probably, right? It, it, contracts are only going up. For star players, so, I mean that's kind of the way it's been. If you know Cody, we Bellinger, just saw that happen. <laughs> yeah, if if Cody Bellinger's in the two hundred million or two hundred fifty million range, which I think is a little bit ridiculous, but yeah, Bobachet's got to be in that in there, if not more. I mean, you're looking at probably thirty million a year, especially as you know money changes and the finances change in baseball, and yeah, it's thirty million ten years from now. That much money? No, are guys making forty fifty million a year regularly? That's you it. know, look back 10 years. I mean, A Rod signed what 10 years, 252 in 2000, 2001. And that was like, he, he was like the richest man on the planet at that time. I remember like people were like, what the hell's 252 million for a, uh, a baseball player? Now, now I heard rumors of Cody Bellinger get 250 million. No offense to Cody Bellinger, but A Rod, like, it's crazy. So that's the other thing that I th- you think about is what are the, the value of these contracts long term? So, and the A-Rod deal was a great deal. Like it worked out well, yeah. you know, like he was really good. He lived up to that deal. Now, um, just not in think... Texas. Yeah, well, well, yeah, he did live up to it in Texas, just as far as, you know, the wins and law. Yes. And of course we could, we could get into the whole uh, steroid conversation, but alas, we'll save that. I think it's really interesting though, Matt, it's going to be so fascinating where this Jays team goes from here. We get to sit back and watch. I certainly don't envy Atkins or Shapiro at this moment. They've got a really difficult job on their hands because they've got to keep this team's competitive window open, but they also need to win now. And there's a ton of pressure in market and from ownership. It's uh this is this is a very this will be the thing where like this is like the turning point, right? Like these are the moments where they either they like make or break you. Yeah, and you look at you know that the kind of two years left on the contract for Bo and Vlad. That's kind of the you're in that space where it's a weird place to be because you still have two years left, but we'll be sitting here next year in no time. Yeah, and then if they don't, you know, they don't win the World Series, which is the goal for this franchise. It clearly is. They're spending the money to do it. What the hell do you do then? 
And what if you can extend them? What, you know, what does that look like? Does, you know, what's the return like a year from now? Uh, does that put you kind of more into a rebuild? Does that, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation, but we'll save that one for December, 2024. It's scary though, especially in the case of like, if they don't win a world, let's say Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have been the two most highly touted prospects in this organization in a long time, right? Yeah. Nate Pearson aside. And no disrespect to Nate, nasty Nate. To go through the Bichette and Vlad era with no World Series, no AL pennant, and no extensions would be a colossal failure. Top to bottom, top to bottom. From ownership down to the coaching staff, to the players. Complete failure. You either extend them, one of the... Maybe pick one, trade the whatever. That's a different conversation, maybe, or a difficult conversation to have. Boy, you just you can't let this era go by with absolutely nothing to show for it. You can't. Well, and that's the thing. I, I winning a championship's hard. That might even be a little bit of a you know, that's obviously the end goal, but this team hasn't won a playoff round. Like yeah. that's that's where you're that's where the you know, get to an ALCS, yeah, get to a world series, and then you know, see what happens as far as roster construction at that point. But you know, to, to have this core and have it dissolve without, you know, doing anything substantial in the playoffs and giving the fans something to really cheer about would be a, a huge disappointment. I think that's part of this disappointment for Jays fans, to be honest. Uh, certainly from people I've talked to, is that this would have been what a great opportunity to revitalize the team, fix almost all your issues in one fellow swoop, right? And all well you know, potentially making it so that if you don't extend one of Vlad or Bo, it would not be a disaster because you would have Otani and the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have saved you some money on one of those contracts potentially to balance everything out and then add on top of that. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's going to be an interesting uh, few months. Spring training, three months away? December, January, February? Yeah, three months. So we'll see what happens between now and then. The last thing I did want to touch on was there's been a lot of, uh, I'll call it disappointing reporting on Canada and Toronto. I'm not sitting here as a, as a lead writer for the Canadian baseball network saying in a Canadian lens, but just Mike Wilner pointed out perfectly. I think everyone listening knows what we're talking about, um, about how Otani made the right choice. It's the, it's better for baseball. It would have been, you know, Essentially not good for baseball if you came to Toronto. Mike Wilner, I think, put it perfectly. He called it ignorant. Really is. Uh, There's a business case to be made about TV ratings and all that kind of stuff. I understand that. But some of the dialogue that's gone back and forth among some respected reporters uh, is, uh, yeah, it's been been ignorant, uh, to say the least, towards Canadians, Canadian fans, a fan base that travels as well as any. You know, I've seen more sympathy over the last couple of years for Oakland athletics fans and the team moving and they still, you know, they 7,000 fans in the seats and I understand that's a different situation. And there are many, that's a story franchise as well. And I, and I feel for that franchise, but no one hesitated to run to their defense and say that was John Fisher's fault. But it's like, you know, Otani wants to come to Canada, like we're on the moon. And I, I just don't understand it. And that's part of the reason I, I love doing what we do talking about Canadian baseball and the people that follow us and listen to us, is it all positive? No, we just talked about negative things. Uh, but the, it was 
all is disrespectful. And you saw that back and forth on Twitter. You know, fans were were pissed off about it, and rightfully so. I, I was disappointed to see some of the comments. Not that not, you know, I, it's fine. If you think he's a better fit for the Dodgers, you think whatever, but just the stuff directed at Canada and Toronto. You saw Kevin Gosman tweet about it today. George Springer signed here. Kevin Gosman signed here. Hunjin Ryu signed here. These were all big signings at the time. So to say, you know, talk bad about Toronto in the market, it's just, it's ridiculous. But I just wanted to touch on that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I just had to say that. I've been sitting on it and, and thinking about what I wanted to say. And instead I rambled here a little bit, but that's just my thoughts on it. Largely the same, Matt. I think that, yeah, we're in a unique position to comment on those things, I guess. Yeah, I think all you need to do if you're one of those writers is think less of the TV because look at all these TV deals that are collapsing across baseball anyways. The idea that it would be the worst thing ever if they couldn't count the ratings in Canada is ludicrous because so, okay, game one NBA or game six NBA finals, 44% of Canada tuned in at some point. John Heyman wrote that Toronto outside of hockey non-hockey, sorry, I'm naming them, non-hockey teams have a small team, small time feel, right? I don't know if 15 million viewers, 44% of the country is small market feel. Now that's obviously game six, but like Otani would bring that kind of hype, much like Kawhi did that year, right? You look around baseball too, and the impact that Canadians have, look at the last play, Edward Julian. Uh, he watched the Blue Jays growing up, right? Yeah. Um, and it meant something to him to play the Blue Jays in the playoffs. We just talked with Damiano Palmigiani, what it meant to him to play for the Vancouver Canadians, right? Canadians care about baseball. Canadians have that same passion. And yes, it's ludicrous to suggest otherwise, but through the lens of only looking at TV, it's to me that was so, it just seemed to me that there was like a lack of depth and that no one really chimed in and said, hmm, but what about this point? Did you actually look at, you know, you're calling it a small time feel. Did you look at it because up here the Raptors championship was anything but small time. But and that's the thing. I and I and he, well, he never will. But I encourage anyone to come on the program, yes. this podcast, to discuss this because you're right. And and we talk all the time. You, you hear people talk all the time about how reg, how how baseball is a regional sport, and you have a team that is a national team. Go, go to Seattle in the middle of July when they're playing the marriage. Go to Minneapolis when they're playing the twins and, and look around Jays fans travel as good as any, and, and they don't get the respect that they deserve. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to sit on my Canadian throne and, and preach at American writers about why Toronto is so great, but it's no different than anywhere else. And I, and I don't believe that you want, again, if you want to talk about TV ratings and, and the business case, sure. But it went beyond that. And that's where I, I drew That's where I had the problem with it about how Otani, you know, he did the best thing for us. Yeah. And, and talking about us as reporters and, and us covering. First of all, he's on the West Coast. Yeah. How, all Last time I checked, most of these playoff games are geared towards East Coast times. That's another thing, right? The Why, why are the Dodgers playing at nine in the playoffs? Because it's six o'clock here. So people can watch. And I understand like there's fans on the West Coast. I understand all that. But it's and I'm not trying to pretend like I'm some I know all these things about TV analytics. But it just seems odd to me that. The, you know, I understand the storied franchise, but it just seemed like a lack of knowledge about one of the 30 teams in the league. Yeah. And I, just, I just couldn't understand it. And it made you look stupid. 
with you. And I hate to, I'm not trying to bash anyone in particular, but it was just, it was ignorant. It truly was. And, and it just blows my mind. And this, and again, that just kind of reinforces why we do what we do here. Two things. One, that's, yes, you mentioned time zone. It's a great point. Like if Otani hits three home runs and strikes out 12 guys, a lot of the country will find out the next morning. Yeah. You know, they won't watch it live because it's happening at midnight and they have to work the next day or whatever. Right. In the case of, you know, Los Angeles, like the idea that only LA and New York and Chicago can get good players, right. That sort of thing too. Like, Oh, just, but also like he was already in that market. He was already in LA. He's not even like, I understand he's going to the bigger brand and the better team. I understand that he's not even moving cities. Right. So you can't like, would they have written the same article if you went to the angels? I wonder, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, but that's something I thought of too, is it's like, he didn't even move cities. Like I understand he changed the brand. He changed the color of the Jersey he's wearing. Like what changes, I guess my point of how good it is relative to Canada. Cause people are still watching late. People are still, you know, largely not going to watch him live now through the rest of his career. They're not right? going to sell any more tickets. They sell nope. out every game anyways. And it takes you four hours to exactly. get into Dodger Stadium as it is. There's 25,000 people watching when the game starts because the traffic's so bad. Not that that has anything to do with it. But they can raise ticket price. So I guess that's great for the Dodgers. I don't know. Like, what? Obviously, it's good for the Dodgers. And obviously, I understand. Going, going to the Dodgers, being in that market, it's a big market. You're going to get lots of eyes on them, lots of advertising dollars, TV deals, all that kind of stuff. I understand all that. But it was the it was it was making Toronto sound like a small market team. Like just look at the last few off seasons; they've been some of the biggest movers in the in the off season. And it was just, yeah, I was just I don't know, ignorant is the best way I could put it. And and I will, like I said, that I'll put this out there. Anyone that wants to argue with me on that can come on the show, and we'll have a conversation. But just the way it was presented was very poor taste, in my opinion. And like you said, ignorant and just flat out just not right <laughs> you know the idea that it's a small time feel with non-hockey sports is just wrong that's just not they true. were the jays were eighth i think in attendance this year and you saw what happened in 2015 that ride that they took us on right like how is that even it, that was the thing that got me i was just thinking like you don't even it's like he didn't even bother to look they sorry they i don't want to point out one specific because there was a few people have they even been to toronto for right you know i'd love to know that like honestly, like and maybe they have like, a, but like yeah. the Jays don't play on Sunday night baseball. They don't play on Fox, unless it's the playoffs. Like, and I understand that. I understand the business aspect of it. But how much do these? It, it made me think. Like, how much do you know about every team in this league? You're supposed to be covering, yeah, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think. I mean, I guess we've kind of exhausted all the the, the conversation points. I think that this this saga really left a bad taste in people's mouths for lack of a better term, in more ways than one, not just about the state of the team, the Jays, but also kind of like this greater sort of like conversation about how it's good that a player didn't go to Toronto is very, I, I wasn't really expecting it, Matt, to be honest. I, I thought reporters would more take the stance of, can you believe these reporters who didn't, who got duped? Like, I kind of thought that would be more of the angle they'd take is focusing more on the coverage and how at times, how poor it was. Um, and, and so to just... And blast it aside and say, well, ah, small time Canada. It's just, it's really and well, well, a good point. Too. I think people are more pissed off about that. Yeah. But this and not getting Otani, <laughs> I think that they've now pissed off. And, and again, I think it, hopefully it makes people appreciate the guys that do come here. Yes. You know, look at Kevin Gosman tweeted about Jose Barrios has said great. Th uh, that's another one. Jose Barrios extended him for five years here. Yep. Um, so 
yeah, hopefully, you know, I don't think, and it's not going to impact free agents. I don't think any, any free agent cares what a reporter says about a market. Ridiculous. I think sometimes we need to get off our high horse sometimes as reporters that we have that big of an influence to even ask those questions. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, better days ahead, I think, for Jay's fan. Can only go up from here, right, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. This is obviously the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. Uh, truly Canadian, covering all things from grassroots to the big leagues. And we appreciate you listening. If you have comments or questions, feel free to reach out to Jackson Ryan on Twitter and follow the Canadian Baseball Network. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And the Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players.